Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. Glory be to Jesus. The words of Joshua and Caleb of which we have to those guys in our church we are well able to take the land that's what they said when they came back from they said we are more than able for our god is with us today i i still have a sermon okay and i love the fact that uh, one of the ways that the lord obviously speaks to me and works with me is just when there's a perfect alignment of events um that confirms something that i was already feeling in my heart i like how god confirmed the sermon i'm about to preach now Okay, obviously the coming of this building. There was no way, my sermons are typically done four weeks in advance. There's just no way, in terms of the skeleton anyways, there's just no way for me to have known that we were going to be here. There was nothing on the horizon that looked like we were close to getting a spot at that time. And so God obviously knew. <laughs> I wasn't actually supposed to preach today. God actually knew that this was going to happen and he just aligned. And so my heart was so full. My heart was just so full. Like, God, you knew, you knew. You were kind of playing tricks on me. You knew the whole time. So I'm so excited to bring the word today. I'm not really doing a lot of teaching. I'm here to pray for you. That's what I'm here to do. I'm I'm here to prophetically speak over you the word that God has spoken to me concerning our house. And that word I must speak to you as well, because the church of God is not a building. The church of God is a people. So if God says something to to the house, he's saying it to you guys, to you as well. So today we're going to be starting the book of Philippians. As you can know, as you know that we've been in the letter series for a number of months now and um as part of that series we've been through a couple of books all right this is amazing stuff by the way the foundation that's being laid is so 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 critical all right so that when we build upon that foundation it can stand the problem in the faith today when i look around is that many people don't have a right foundation Um, and so you build doctrine and other things and then people get distracted because the foundation is not solid but we're building a foundation for you so take the time to go back, engage with those sermons. They will bless you. They will help you. They will give you a proper footing for where you're headed in destiny. I want to talk to you about the Philippian church. And because today I don't want to do too much teaching, I'll try to be brief in my introduction. Maybe in subsequent weeks, if I get a chance to it to do it, I might also speak a little bit more as to the background of this church, but I'll give you just enough for us to get started in the book of Philippians today. Let us pray. Jesus, I thank you. I ask that you breathe upon this word. I ask that you give me utterance. I will speak your words and not mine. In the mighty name of Jesus, I ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to back up every word that's spoken here today. I ask for the ears of the listeners, the heart of every listener to be attentive. I ask for an understanding heart. I ask for faith in their hearts, oh God, so that this word can mix with faith in our hearts. Thank you, Father. I give you praise and I give you glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, and amen, and amen. Philippians. For you to understand the book of Philippians, you need to read the book of Acts chapter 16, because the story of how this church, this particular church started, is in Acts chapter 16. All right, in the book of Acts chapter 16, God is telling us, I mean, the story of Paul. Paul is the writer, obviously, the guy who writes this book, um, this letter. He's coming from the east. And he's on his missionary journey, as you know, Paul, very well. Everywhere he stopped, he preached the gospel. He left the church. Um, And so he, the Bible says in Acts chapter 16 that he had it in mind. He's coming from the east. Don't forget that. He wanted to go south. wanted to go to Asia. 
And God, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit forbade him, forbade him from going to Asia, which in itself is a sermon. And so he didn't go to Asia and he kept on in his journey and he wanted to go to Mysia or something or Phrygia or something. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit did not allow him to go there. In other words, Paul, who had zeal, wanted to go to Asia, probably thought there are many people here. I can go take the gospel here. God says, not now. He closed the door. And he wanted to go to another place. And God said, not now, which was north. He closed the door. So he's coming from the east. The south is closed. The north is closed. And he gets to a place called Troas. And he stays in Troas for a short while. And it's actually in Troas that he meets a guy called Timothy. All right, Timothy, who would end up becoming his mentee. He takes Timothy on. All right. And he's praying, trusting God for direction. And the Bible says he has a vision by night. And in the vision by night, he sees a man from Macedonia saying to them, come and help us. And so when Paul wakes up, this was a vision of the night, a dream. He tells the people, I perceive that God would have us go to Macedonia. All right. Macedonia was in Europe. They were in the Asian, you know, Eastern region. And so he made that journey with Silas, with Timothy, and they went to Macedonia. And their landing port in Macedonia was a town called Philippi. Philippi. Philippi was a major town, major entry point into the region of Macedonia. And when he got to Philippi, I can imagine that Paul, um, based on the vision that he had, he's probably looking for this man who said, who he saw in the vision saying, come to Macedonia and help us. But he does not find a man. He actually does not meet a synagogue because, because it requires 10 Jewish men before you can have a synagogue. So that means that there was no synagogue in the city. And Paul's habits when he went into a new city, it was that he would go to the synagogue, he would preach to the Jews, they would kick him out, and then he would go to the Gentiles. But this time around, no synagogue. But there was a small prayer meeting that happened at the riverside. And this was a prayer meeting of women. And so Paul went ahead and engaged those women in discussion. He preached the gospel to them. And the Bible says that God opened their hearts to believe the things that Paul taught. And so there was a particular woman there whose name was Lydia, who was a seller of purple, purple cloth. and she took them in, into her household. She was slightly well-to-do. She had a household, but it was just a women's prayer meeting. Shout out to the women, all right? Um, <clears throat> took, her, took them into her household. And so they would leave from her house. They would go to the streets. They would preach the gospel. They would return for a number of days. And as they went on this adventure, stay with me because this is important. They went on this adventure. At a particular point, a particular girl who was a servant, a slave, who had owners, masters, but had a spirit of divination. She was able to see and tell the future. She was following Paul and Silas and his team, Timothy and the rest of them, and saying, these men are servants of the Most High God who have come to tell us the way of salvation. She was completely accurate, even though she was of the devil. So for those of you who say, I met a prophet, he was accurate, he told me what I ate last week, you are unhinged. But that's not my topic for this morning, all right? The Bible says discern all spirits, all right? Anyways, so she was accurate. It's true. There were servants of the Most High God who were telling them the way of the Lord. But the Bible says Paul was irritated because the spirit was not the same, all right? Irritated. And he cast out the devil. He said, you know, you spirit or whatever, come out of her in Jesus' name. And she lost the ability to tell the future. She lost that demonic ability to divine. And her masters were mad because they made money, all right? They were monetizing her gifts. And they reported Paul to the authorities. They told a lie against Paul. And Paul and his buddies were thrown in jail. In jail. And this is where, if you grew up in Sunday school, you get that story. Paul and Silas, they prayed. 
they sang and the Holy Ghost came down. They sang it when I was growing up in Sunday school. This was because they were in jail. And Bible says at midnight, they started to pray and sing songs and sing praises to God. There was an earthquake. The shackles were loose and the prison doors were opened. When the jailer woke up, he wanted to kill himself because he would have been murdered. He would have been executed for negligence or something or dereliction of duty. And Paul called out to him from a dark cell saying, no, 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 don't kill yourself. We are still here. He comes before them. He's trembling. What must I do to be saved? Paul preaches the gospel to the jailer and his entire household. And so the jailer and his household combined with the group of women formed the church. And that's how the church in Philippi started. In other words, this church started in a very insignificant way. You would think that if God gave Paul a vision, come to Macedonia, that there would be a mega church waiting for him. He would just preach and thousands of people would be saved. No, he met a group of women. Back in the day, women were not considered important. All right. And a jailer, all right, a second class citizen and his family. And he combined the two together and left a church in Philippi. And this is important. This is so important because this church, the Philippian church that started with such a humble, such a humble beginning, right? Women and non-entities in the society was the church that supported Paul the most. And when you read about, you know, in Corinthians, we talked about this excellence and generosity. He keeps comparing all the churches to the Macedonian church. That's the church in Philippi. Because this church from that moment, everywhere Paul went, they sent money to him. They sent resources to him as small as they were. Just like I was talking to you earlier that we might be young, but we're not small. They were small, but they were mighty. They were mighty as a people. And so ultimately, Paul, as he goes on, gets himself into a spot of bother. He lands in prison again, this time in Rome. And so he's writing to that church from prison. This is a prison epistle, like Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, okay? He's now writing from prison to that church. And the reason he's writing is this, is the fact that the Philippian church, when they heard that Paul was now in prison in Rome, he was under house arrest, every moment of his life, he was chained, shackled with a, a chain that was about six foot long to uh, a Roman soldier because he was to be brought before Caesar at a moment's notice. When they heard that Paul was in jail, the Philippian church, again, as was their custom, they sent money for his feeding, and they sent a man called Epaphroditus to go and become his butler, cook his meals, look after him, make sure he's eating well, make sure that he has zucchinis, all right, in his meal, a balanced diet, make sure that he's being properly fed, cook his meals for him, because we don't know if Paul could cook um, and, and whatnot. That was how thoughtful they were as a people. All the other churches, the bigger churches never did that. It was this church of really small, insignificant people. All right, it reminds us of our church. When you look at our church, we say, you young people, you know, you're just zealous people. You're just excited people. You're always, no, 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 no. Small can be mighty with God. And they send him a supply of materials and they sent him a guy who was going to serve him. Unfortunately, Epaphroditus fell sick. Paul actually wrote a letter to the, to the Philippian church to say thank you. So this letter is not a corrective letter. It's not establishing doctrine so much. He's really just telling them, I love you guys. You guys are awesome. I'm praying for you guys. You have, you have been a blessing to me. You've helped me. You've taught me to, uh, I can abound, okay? And I can also survive when I have little. But you guys have made sure that I have no needs. I lack, for no, I lack, for no, I lack nothing and I, want, and I want for nothing. 
So it was an amazing church. It was a church that understood responsibility. It was a church that was very kingdom-minded and they were partners indeed. So he's writing from jail and he's writing to just tell them that he's thinking about them and he appreciates their acts of generosity. But that's not my, co my conversation for today. I'm here to do a work because the title of our conversation is this, Relax, God is in control. Relax, God is in control. I need you to please help me tell someone right now, relax. Tell someone, I'm going to take a moment, tell them, relax. God is in control. Chill. Okay, God's got this. That could have been another, another, another title for this sermon. Chill. God's got this. God's got this. Tell someone right now, help me preach it, because some people, you might be worried about a number of different things, and God is saying to tell you, relax. God is in control. The reason why I'm saying relax, God is in control, is because of three, three verses of the Bible that I find in Philippians. When I read the book of Philippians, these three scriptures, they stay in my heart. They give me so much joy. Even before the season where we are now, when this whole thing about the building came up, they were so encouraging to me. And that's what I'm here to talk about today. The first of these three is Philippians 1.6. And it says this, these are assurances in Philippians. Assurances in Philippians. It says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Oh my God, being confident. I am, I am persuaded. I am assured. I, I, I promise you that he who begun a good work in you will complete. That, that, is, that is reason for you to just take a chill pill right, right there and relax. God is in control. Let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. God starts what he finished. God would finish whatever he started. God starts and he finishes. God will not abandon a project. He does not do abandoned projects. Stay with me because the word is sent to some people, maybe not everyone, but for some people who feel like maybe you're in the middle and God might leave you or you're not sure how things are going to get completed. I'm not sure how I'm going to graduate. I'm not sure how I'm going to get a job. Paul is saying that be confident of this very thing. What's this thing? That he that begun a good work in you, okay, will complete it until the day of Jesus. Let me say something to you about God. Let me say something about man first. When you graduate from university, for example, um, you're given a certificate. You have a graduation party. You invite your friends, you invite your family members. Um, and that's happening now. Congrats to all our grads, by the way. And all that stuff. The reason why we celebrate things like that is because it's not in man to complete things. So we celebrate when we actually do finish. That's why you take a two-week baptismal course and they give you a certificate of completion. Because it's not in you to complete. It's not the nature of man to complete stuff because you don't know tomorrow. So whenever you start something and you actually finish something, you actually rejoice. They give you an award. They put you in a gown or some sort, some robe, and they shake your hands and say, congratulations, you've done well. Why? Because you're finished. Well, by the way, I digress. It's only marriage, okay, that they give you a certificate before you start. Go figure. <laughs> they give you a certificate and they say, now, Go start your journey, all right? Not at the end. At the beginning, you get your certificate. I wonder why. But, but this is, that's what happens, all right? But God does not need a certificate of completion for anything. Why? He is completion in himself. 
he is completion in himself. The Bible says in Revelation that he is the Alpha and the Omega. Okay, he is the this, that, <laughs> he, and everything in between. If I'm Alpha, I must be Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. God will not abandon what he started. If God starts something, it's considered a good work. And if he started it in you, Paul is saying he will definitely finish it. The reason why a lot of us are stressed or worried is because you actually think you started something. That's what, that's the problem. You think that it was you. That's the, you, you think, oh, I started this. But God, who has declared the end from the beginning. In other words, when God wants to do something, he goes to the end, he stands, he declares finished. Then he goes to the beginning and tells you and I and says, let us start. So when God says, let's start, it's because he's finished. When God says go, it's because he's there, <laughs> all right, or he's gone. When God says, let's do, it's because it's done. God's frame of reference is eternity. Your frame of reference is in time. And so we get fixated. We get bogged down. Oh, this is going on in my life. I don't know how I'm going to complete this. I don't Listen, God will not let you down. God will not abandon you. Your life is a project. I hope you know that. It's a project in God. As a matter of fact, you did not start here. I know you thought, you think, or your, your, your thought process was, well, I, I, I started here. I was born on the 15th day of February in one spring. No, 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 no. You did not start here. You started in him. You started in him. God begins in himself first, then he begins in you. So whatever God begins in you is because he began in himself. You didn't start here. That's why God, have you ever seen my second son, for example, my second son, before he was ever conceived, there was prophetic words about his destiny. Now, how do you think that's possible if he started here? He didn't start here. He started with God, in God. And so that's why God can speak about a child. I mean, it's all over scriptures. The Bible says the virgin shall be with child. And da, 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 da. Before she ever conceived, this is the destiny of this child. John the Baptist, this is the destiny of this child. Samson, this is the destiny of this child. Jeremiah says, before I was formed in my mother's womb, God knew me. So that tells me that you did not start here. You started somewhere else. And you did not start yourself. And your parents did not start you either. God did. God did. He that began a good work. And the Bible says every good and perfect thing, good and perfect, comes from God. So when God starts something, it's good. When he finishes it, it's perfect. So God will perfect all that concerns you. Like I said, I'm here to pray today. God will perfect all that concerns you in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter what's before you. It doesn't matter how bad things look. He that began a good work will perfect it in the name of Jesus. You just started, but he already finished. In Isaiah 46 and verse 10, the Bible says this, that declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times to things that are not yet done, saying my counsel will stand and I will do all my pleasure. In other words, if I have to do this, calling a bird of prey from the east, if I need to call a bird from the east, I will do it. If I need to call a man who would execute my counsel from a far country, I will do it. If I have spoken it, I'll bring it to pass. I have proposed it. I will also do it. That's encouragement for you. 
what you're going through right now is not big enough to stop what God started. It started in him. He will complete it. Do you remember on the cross? On the cross, John chapter 19, I believe verse 30, Jesus Christ said these words to us. It is finished. Do you remember that? <clears throat> it is finished. What is it? Some of us will say, well, it's the redemption of man, the redemptive work of man and all that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Theologically, you're, I can't argue with that. But the question I have for you is, when did it start? Oh, do you remember when Adam and Eve fell? God came to them. From the moment Adam and Eve fell, God started his redemptive work. Many, many, many years, centuries. And the Bible tells us, if you read anything about human history, that we have been extremely rebellious against this God. We've turned our backs against him. We've not particularly been right in our behavior. But God stuck to his plans. And he got to the point where Jesus said, it is finished. If God would stick to such a plan, why would God abandon you? Why would God abandon the project that he started in you? You didn't ask to be born. That's why most of us don't rate ourselves. You think, well, things are not going well for me. You, you are not a figment of your own imagination. You didn't ask to be born. No. God thought it was fitting for him to send to the earth. So therefore, what he started, and he didn't start it in time, what he started in eternity, he will complete it in the name of Jesus. If God started it, he will complete it. He will complete Jesus Christ said, it is finished. It is finished. God will finish whatever he started in your life in Jesus' name. God has the, 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 the quality that's called stick to itiveness. All right. That's a new thing, that, a new term now that's emerging. Stick to itiveness. God does not abandon his project and he will not abandon you in the name. Just ask yourself, did God start it? Did God start? Do you remember how it started? Did God, if God started it, relax. Relax. He will finish it. And that's why I'm telling you as a church, relax. God is in control. Oh, you're like 120,000. Oh, pastor, give me my inhaler. You don't need an inhaler. Okay? Relax. Just relax. God, God is in control. If he started it, he's already finished it. We just think he started it. The second verse is this. Philippians 1.19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I know. Encouraging. Apart from the fact that God will finish what he started, I, I also know something. I know that this, this will turn out for my deliverance. This will turn out for good. What, what, what was this? Well, he was in jail. This was, uh, he was in prison, wrongly accused. He could be killed the next day all right he could show up before caesar and caesar says well guilty execution and that would have been the end but paul is saying i know i know something what do i know i know that this 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 will turn out for my deliverance my question to you is what is your this what is your this what is that thing in this moment that is unpleasant in your life because he was in jail like i said had no privacy had to, go to, had to go to the bathroom, he would have had to, you know, hang out with um, a soldier who's there watching him. Like, dude, it, it was not particularly a great place to be. Oh, he didn't have security in his future. What is your this in this moment? What is the thing right now in this moment that is unpleasant in your life or that is questionable in your life or that looks like an uncertainty in your life or looks like a challenge in your life or is a fearful situation? 
What is your this? What is your this? Paul said, for I know, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Remember, he's writing to the Philippian church. I remember what happened to him when he was in Phil at Philippi. He was thrown in jail and there was an earthquake. So he understands that this God has a track record. For many of us, we don't remember. That's the problem. We don't remember how, you know, you were, you were worried about your life at a point and what you would do. Will I even get admission? Would I get a job? And God came through and he did it easily. So Paul remembered, oh, I remember when I was at Philippi, I was locked up in jail and God brought me out. So I know based on the track record of the one that I serve, that this would also turn out. Many of us need to just think back and remember what God has done, how he's brought you thus far, how he's carried you, how he's lifted you. You're worried. I mean, never find, um, I never find um, a, a, a husband or a, a, a girl to marry me now that I don't have a job and God gave you the best, all right? You will never find a husband and God brought a bloke from Ibadan. Anyways, <laughs> whatever your worries were that God has done in the past, remember, why don't you remember? And so Paul is saying, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. What is your this? What is your this? What has God done for you before? What has God started in your life before? What are the things that God has done that you remember, that you remember? For some, this is this pandemic right now. How does this turn out for your deliverance? You can't even explain it. It's like this pandemic, oh, you came at the wrong time. <laughs> you, just, you just came and messed me up. I was about to get married. Now you messed everything, everything up. This will turn out for your deliverance. You don't know. Because your frame of reference, you can only see so much. But there is a God who sees all the pieces and sees how A connects to Z. And he, he knows what your tomorrow will be. As a matter of fact, he knew tomorrow yesterday, like I like to say. He knew tomorrow yesterday. So relax. God is in control. This will turn out for your deliverance. You've been looking for a job. Delay. This will turn out for your deliverance. You've been set back in life. You've lost some money, some opportunities. This will turn out for your deliverance. You are in a, between a rock and a hard place, as it were. This will turn out for your deliverance. There is no situation that God cannot bring good out of. You're struggling with a child right now. Maybe one of your children is not acting right. This will turn out for your deliverance. If you can continue to pray, because he said through prayer and supply of the spirit, which is grace. If you can continue to pray and hold on to the horns of the altar and there is a supply of grace, this will turn out for your deliverance. Remember Joseph? Joseph was in prison. Obviously, you know the story. Um, only God could have done what God did with him. He had all these dreams in his heart. And for many of us right now, that's how you feel. You have all this ambition. God has put all this vision in you and you're wondering, God, if you have such great plans for me, why is my life like this? All right. The Bible says that Joseph was brought out and brought to a place of prominence. I remember when Joseph talks to his brothers in, in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, he says, you meant it for evil. Genesis 50, 20. You meant it for evil, but God, come on now, but God meant it for good. God is not going to freak out. God is not going to panic. Like he sees your situation and he's like, oh my goodness, this is something else. I have never seen anything like this. What do I do for this girl now? No, relax. Okay. 
God's got this. You are the one, your blood pressure is going up. God doesn't have blood pressure. All right. He's, he's, he's all right. He's all right. You need to rest. You need to rest in him. There's no situation God cannot work with. You know, think back to Genesis chapter one. We go there all the time. It's how we do. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, formlessness, and it was void. It was empty. And he says that number three, darkness was upon the face of the deep. So formless, empty, and dark. Now that's a terrible state to be. I don't, I don't think you would describe, I mean, your life might be formless, but it probably is not empty. And it probably is not dark. And if your life is dark, it's probably not formless and empty. God, the raw material through which God would build the whole world and everything that we see so beautiful is a formless, empty darkness. That was the raw material. God did not start with gold and say, now let me create the world of the earth. No, he started with an absolute disaster of a situation all right and he started from there so what's your life like right now is it formless god can work with it is it empty eh, god can fill it is it dark well he can give you light all right relax god is in control the mess that you're currently dealing with will become your message the places where you fell in the past will become the place of your calling god will use anything if you will continue to give it to him in prayer and if you ask for grace, he will reach into himself and do something or he can create just by words, just by words. So I pray for you. I pray for you today and in agreement with this house that anything you're going through right now, it will turn out for your deliverance in the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, when you start to share your testimony, the testimony of your life, you will be thanking God for the very challenges you face right now as God will use them as springboards into your future. Paul said to that church, relax, God is in control. The third scripture, and we know this one too well, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Philippians 4.19, in Christ Jesus, and my God, and my God, we supply all your need. This is encouraging for us as a church. All of it is encouraging for us as a church. Number one, the fact that God started this project, he'll finish it. This will turn out for our deliverance, as it already did. All the rejections we got, you know, all the roadblocks we came, turned out for our deliverance. And God will supply all your need. But I don't, this particular one, I, I, I can't dwell too much, but I just want to talk to you about one part of it. The Bible says, according to his riches in glory, in glory, in other words, God has a central bank. This central bank is domiciled in a place called glory. All right? Glory is really just the presence of God. All right? So when someone dies, we say he was called to glory, right? Um, so God has a bank that's not on the earth. I'm glad that God doesn't bank at TD. All right? I'm, I'm, I'm glad that God has accounts in glory. And, and the thing about God's accounts and his central bank is that he doesn't just store financial resources because guess what? A lot of the things that you need in life might not be material. They might not be financial. A lot of your needs might be intangible as a matter of fact. But this bank of glory, this central bank of glory has everything that you need. And Paul is saying, my God, my God. This is what, don't forget, he was responding to their generosity. He says, my God will supply all. He would fund it from his riches in glory. He has a fund. Okay, it's not a JP Morgan Chase or Goldman Sachs. It's not in any of the, it's not in Bitcoin. Okay, 
this in he heaven coin, okay, glory coin. God will fund it with glory coin in the name of Jesus. Every need in your life. We declare that the month of July is a month of supply, that the floodgates of heaven will be open, that the windows of heaven will be open, and that from the central bank of glory in Christ Jesus, God will pour out and meet every need, every need he, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. I tie it up here. Listen to me very carefully. In all the three verses that we read, Philippians 4.19, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 1 and verse 19, will turn out for my deliverance through prayer and supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. It says, confidence of this very thing, he that begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The common factor is Jesus Christ. This is all in Jesus. This is all through Jesus, of Jesus, by Jesus, in Jesus, and in Jesus, and in Jesus. So if you don't have a relationship with him, Paul wasn't really writing to you. He was writing to a church, by the way. So you can't take the Bible and say, I claim the promises of God. Well, you must first belong to the church and not necessarily belong to Lighthouse Church, but the body of Christ, all right, who are all partakers of one spirit. Perhaps there is one God, one baptism, one mediator between God and man, and he is the man, Christ Jesus. If you have never made a commitment to him, to Jesus, and said, I give you my life, you cannot claim the promises. All right. You cannot say, relax. God is in control. God is not in control. Let me just tell you that right now. <laughs> Satan is in control. But the Bible says that it's in Christ Jesus. His riches and glory are in Christ Jesus. And everything turns out through Christ Jesus. All right. There is a day in Philippians 1, 6, it actually says this, that he will complete every good work until the day of Jesus Christ. There is a day of Jesus Christ. There's a day when he would return and he would come for his church. That is without spots and wrinkles for his own, for his body. Will you be part of that body? Everything else is fleeting. Everything else is insignificant. The things that worry us in life so much, the things that we're fixated upon, and make us run helter-skelter. We're so worried. I want to get married. I want to have a job. I want to earn money. I want to drive a nice German car. Those things mean nothing. You know, I was hearing someone say this. That when people, you know, on the earth, you know, people say, yeah, you know, you're a Christian. Why are you paying such a sacrifice? You mean you can't do this. You can't do that. Your life's so restricted, blah, blah, blah. You're not having fun. The day of reckoning is not here okay <laughs> the day of your shine is not here you're not you're, you're, you will get to a point where you realize that okay my hundred years on the earth meant nothing because of my eternity father lord i thank you for everyone you've sent us assurances that you're in control so whatever the situations might be to those who are troubled right now I pray that you will finish everything that is hanging in the name of Jesus. For every situation that looks like Paul's situation, uncertainty, we're not sure, okay, some trepidation, some fear in this season, some limitations, I pray that it will turn out for our deliverance. We shift you out of that season now into the next season in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray that everywhere that there is a need, every household, every family, 
where there is a need, including our church, that, Lord, you will supply those needs. We declare that July is the month of supernatural supply in the name of Jesus. Reach into the bank of glory and smile upon your house, O oh God, upon everyone here in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We honor you. We bless you. We magnify your holy name because you are good, you are kind. Your mercies endure forever. Thank you for all that you've done for our church. Thank you for this new season we're stepping into. We're stepping into it. We're rejoicing. Stepping into it with faith. Stepping into it because the, the best is yet to come. And many, many more testimonies abound, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.